Despite the many advances in contraceptive science, there's still a lot of misunderstandings and misperceptions and just plain myths regarding how contraceptives work. And that's especially true for emergency contraception. If you follow the podcast, you may remember that not long ago, I did an episode on Ulipristal or Ella. That is the oral emergency contraceptive option that can be taken up to five days post unprotected intercourse. Well, the most effective type of emergency contraceptive is the IUD. And just as there was misperceptions regarding Ella as an antiprogestin, there's misperceptions and myths regarding how the IUD works. In the Ella episode, we laid out the details and explained why Ella or Olipristal is not an abortifacient, but is still a contraceptive agent. Well, in this episode, we're going to tackle the IUD, both the medicated and non-medicated variety, in other words, the progestin-releasing and the copper T, which are both options as emergency contraceptives. Although the copper T was traditionally the only emergency birth control device utilized, there's plenty of data now that shows that the progestin-releasing IUS is also a good choice. We're going to tackle and review the science here that definitely confirms that the IUD is a contraceptive agent, not an abortifacient. So let's get right to it now, and we're going to cover the IUD does not cause abortion right now. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practice because medicine moves real fast. This is Clinical Pearls. Let's start right off the bat with a clinical pearl. If you're ever asked which emergency contraceptive is the most effective, hands down, it's the copper T. The copper IUD is about 10 times more effective at preventing pregnancy than other hormonal emergency contraceptive methods. And here's the good news. The copper T doesn't seem to be alone as being in that most effective category. A hormone-releasing intrauterine device also appears to be as effective for emergency contraception as a copper T. That's based on the study that was funded by the Eunice Kennedy Shriver National Institute of Child Health and Human Development. This study was led by David Turek of the University of Utah and was published in the New England Journal of Medicine. Study participants using the levonorgestrel IUS had a 0.3% pregnancy rate compared to the pregnancy rate for oral emergency contraceptives of 1.4 to 2.6%. Currently, only pill formulations, however, have been approved as emergency contraceptives by the U.S. FDA, so patients need to know that either the copper T or the levonorgestrel IUS are used off-label as emergency contraceptives, but they are still the most effective over oral options. Now, we do have to clarify that the only levonorgestrel-releasing IUS that's shown this efficacy is the 52-milligram levonorgestrel intrauterine system. Despite their great efficacy, there's still a lot of myths and misunderstandings regarding how these things work. Now, we're going to get into the science here, okay, because we're going to stick with the medical definition of abortion, which is identification of a pregnancy. So it's a positive UCG or beta HCG, or obviously once ultrasound confirms a visible intrauterine pregnancy. But in this case, we're going to talk about a positive pregnancy test and then something that's done to cause that pregnancy to be lost, all right? So contraception is preventing the establishment of a diagnosable pregnancy. 
In other words, once it implants and it releases HCG and you find it either in the urine or the blood, all right? So remember, as, as the term medical abortion or a abortion as a procedure, it's once a pregnancy is diagnosed by UCG or HCG and then something is done to stop it from going forward. Okay, now we're going to get into the science here of why the IUD is much better at contraception and should really not be considered an abortifacient based on the studies. We're going to get into that. And at the end, we're going to tackle the philosophical question, which is, does it affect implantation? Of course, clinically, right now, we have no way to actually prove when conception happens. Yes, we know it happens in the tube, and we know it can take anywhere from five to seven days to travel down to the tube, to the uterine cavity, and then implant. But right now, we can only measure once implantation occurs and HCG is released, okay? So remember, we have no way right now of, of, of documenting when conception happens. We can only look to see when pregnancy or implantation occurs because that's when HCG, either in the urine or the blood, is diagnosed, is able to be documented, all right? So we're going to tackle the, the issue more on the philosophical side at the end of the discussion, so you want to hang out for that. But for the first part of the podcast of this episode, we're going to tackle the science as to why this really is a contraceptive and not an abortifactive agent. In ACOG's practice bulletin number 152 on emergency contraception, it states, quote, the copper IUD prevents fertilization by affecting sperm viability and function. It also may affect the oocyte and endometrium, end quote. Contraceptive. By its very nature of the word, it prevents conception or has effects on fertilization. An abortive agent is one that disrupts an established pregnancy. And this is where the philosophical concern comes in regarding the IUD is where a pregnancy begins. Does it begin at conception or does it begin once it actually implants into the endometrial cavity? And you can actually measure that. You can diagnose that as HCG. And so this is why this is more philosophical than a science discussion. But I want you to hang out towards the end because we're going to lay this out in terms of the numbers and why if pregnancy began at conception, I'm talking about the term pregnancy, okay? If pregnancy is diagnosed at conception, one, we would never know when that happened. And then second, it'd be an awfully ineffective process with a huge rate of natural loss. And I'm going to explain that a little bit later on in the podcast. Despite all the clinical and laboratory evidence supporting IUD's role as a contraceptive agent, there's still a prevalent social myth that holds that IUDs are abortive patients. The key element underlying the myth is that IUDs act only at the uterine level, either to prevent implantation or to destroy developing embryos in the uterus before implantation. Today, however, the weight of scientific evidence indicates that IUDs act, in fact, as contraceptives. They prevent fertilization, diminishing the number of sperm that reach the oviduct and incapacitating them. The prevailing historic theory was that any IUD placed into the endometrial cavity, whether that was a copper tea or medicated, would elicit a foreign body reaction that would otherwise phagocytize uh, a developing embryo as it was getting ready to implant. I mean, the theory is there. It makes sense. But that's not actually what's scientifically borne out in the data. Now, I want to leave that for just a minute because I'm going to talk about that in the 2020 publication from Scientific Reports that looked at the 
endometrium at a molecular level, all right? Now, let me just beat it to the punch real quick. The authors concluded that implantation effects was likely not how these devices worked, despite the quick inflammatory response that they may elicit. They felt that that was very temporary and that the molecular changes did not support implantation effects as a mechanism of action. We're going to get to that in just a moment. Yes, I know. I said that we were going to discuss this philosophical issue of problem with implantation at the end of the episode, but it does fit in nicely here because it kind of sets the stage uh, and sets this contrast of what we're talking about here, okay? Because that assumption that the IUD leads to a failed implantation makes the premise, makes the theory that every conception will therefore implant and lead into pregnancy. But we know that that's just not the case. First of all, the ability for a monthly conception to lead to a pregnancy per month in the general healthy population is only 22%. That's pretty low. That's called fecundability. Then is the fact that all conceptions don't actually result in implantation. I mean, that's just not that accurate. It's not that efficient of a process. All right, podcast family, let me just stop here for just a second and be very transparent with all of you because as I've said in previous episodes, I am a very strong contraceptive advocate. I think we need more access to contraception. But having said that, I want to be very respectful of everyone's uh, ethical or philosophical concerns about the IUD's effect on potential implantation. All right, I'm going to get into that again. Our job here at Clinical Pearls is to be very evidence-based. But the philosophical concern about it affecting the subsequent steps of a successful conception are just very hard to prove scientifically, okay? Because that makes the assumption that every conception leads to an effective implantation and that implantation will lead to an effective life birth. And that's just not the case. But I want to outline that at the end of the podcast. But I just want to say I want to be very respectful of everyone's thoughts regarding the IUD. But our job here at Clinical Pearls is also to be evidence-based. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know, I think that as time goes by, sometimes we forget some of the pivotal studies that are out there and they just get kind of buried in mounds of other data. But one of the first studies to look at this was by Siegel et al. And it was published in Fertility and Sterility back in 1985. The title was Absence of Chorionic Gonadotropin in Serum of Women Who Use Intrauterine Devices. Let me explain what this study was. 
I think this study is pretty interesting. Siegel took two groups of women, okay? Women who desired pregnancy and were not using contraception. Those were called positive controls. And then he matched them to women who were not seeking pregnancy called negative controls. All of these women were either sterilized or had IUDs in place. Well, after ovulation, HCG was found only in the group seeking pregnancy, and there was no indication of embryonic loss in the IUD group. So this study showed that the IUD worked more as a fertility-blocking agent than in one causing embryonic loss. Now, let's go back five years from that publication to 1980 by another really interesting publication by Hurst et al. That's H-U-R-S-T. Now, Hurst studied rhesus monkeys, not humans. I get that, but there's no way you could do this study in humans, so they used rhesus monkeys. And this study was pretty fascinating. Hurst and his researchers followed a set of rhesus monkeys, obviously not on contraception, and followed their ovulatory cycles, and then used a way of flushing their tubes after mid-cycle to see if they could find traces of fertilization. In other words, they found basically zygotes or moralas or looking for evidence of conception or fertilization, okay? That's why I said you can never do this in humans. Well, once they calculated that baseline rate of fertilizations, they then took that cohort and put IUDs into them. Wild or what? All right. Well, the results were very striking because there was two main results there. First, they found that there was a comparative rarity of demonstrable fertilization when they had the IUD in place. In other words, it indicated that the IUD did in fact act as a contraceptive agent. In all of those flushings of the tubes after mid-cycle, there was no chance of fertilization. So the IUDs definitely worked at fertilization blocking. All right, that's not mind-blowing. That just proved what we already knew, that the IUD was great at contraception. But the second part of the study is what's really mind-blowing. You see, the second part of the study went like this. Other cohorts of monkeys were allowed to go all the way to established pregnancy, and then they wanted to see what was the rate of embryonic loss with the IUD in place. Well, what they found was that there was no difference in embryonic loss between those that were wearing the IUD and those rhesus monkeys that were not. In other words, the study effectively proved that the IUD was no more an abortifacient than a natural process of loss after a spontaneous implantation and natural miscarriage naturally. Now, I hope you know I'm not going to leave you with articles from the 1980s because there was a more recent publication in Scientific Reports that was published in 2020 that showed more evidence that these IUDs do not affect implantation. The lead author of this publication was Smith McCune, and the title of the article is, quote, Differential Effects of the Hormonal and Copper Intrauterine Device on the Endometrial Transcriptone, end quote. In this cross-sectional study, Smith McCune and colleagues compared transcriptone, that's a molecular marker from the endometrium or the cervical transformation zone, from four groups of women, including a control group that used no hormonal or intrauterine contraception. The other groups use levonorgestrel-combined oral contraceptives, copper IUDs, and a levonorgestrel-releasing intrauterine system. These investigators collected samples from women in the postluteal phase. The results were, at least at the molecular level, that implantation changes were likely not the chief mechanism of action of these devices. The authors concluded, quote, 
I think the results present a counter-argument to resistance to the IUD. Policymakers who are resistant to IUD use can take this data as evidence that strongly suggests it is not preventing implantation. End quote. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's a very nice commentary that's published by the Population Council, and the title of this publication is, quote, IUDs are contraceptives, not abortifacients, a comment on research and belief, end quote. This commentary reviews a variety of data from both laboratory and animal models showing the IUD's mechanism of action as a truly contraceptive agent rather than an abortifacient. In its conclusion, it states, Quote, in all of these studies, the primary mode of IUD action appears to be interference with fertilization rather than with implantation. The studies show that the mechanism of action by which IUDs prevent pregnancy is contraceptive. IUDs are not abortifacients, end quote. Having said that, now let's tackle the philosophical concern about a successful conception being blocked from implantation. There's overwhelming scientific evidence that the IUDs, Plan B, and ELA work only as contraceptives. ACOG does not consider the IUD a form of medical or device-related abortion because, quote, it does not disrupt an ongoing pregnancy, end quote. Remember that there's only one medication approved to induce abortion, and that's RU486, otherwise known as Mifeprestone, and that is not listed on the FDA's list of approved contraception. Before we get to the steps that occur after successful conception in the tube, let's just give one practical highlight here. If IUDs were abortifacients, then the failure rate of IUDs would be zero. Now, IUDs are very good at contraception, but the fact that pregnancies do occur with both the copper T and the progestin-releasing IUS is proof that they're not abortifacient. It is true, of course, that if an intrauterine pregnancy does result with an IUD in place, that the spontaneous loss rate does increase from a baseline of 20 or 25% up to 50%. If the IUDs were in fact effective abortifacient agents, then that loss rate would be significantly higher. Now back to this philosophical concern about the steps after conception. To understand why the IUD or Plan B or ELA are not abortifacients, it's important to go back and understand the biology of conception. Remember, of course, that if conception or fertilization does occur, it still has to develop into the embryo. And for that to happen, it has to implant into the endometrium. Implantation happens about seven days after fertilization, if it happens at all. Remember that science estimates that at a minimum, two-thirds of fertilized eggs fail to implant, with some medical scholars estimating that number to be as high as 80%. 
For this reason, according to the medical definition, a woman is not considered pregnant until the developing embryo successfully implants into the uterus, and that can be diagnosed or measured through HCG. Now, having said that, while being respectful of everyone's personal views and thoughts regarding conception, if some argue that a woman is deemed pregnant at the moment of fertilization, then it follows that 60 to 80% of the time, this natural process results in a massive loss of life. Now, let's go back to the topic of contraception. While some argue that the IUD could be an abortive patient, they're actually relying on research from the 1970s that indicated that the IUD, quote, could possibly affect an embryo's ability to implant, end quote. But this was based more on theoretical models than actual testing. Decades of research since have demonstrated that the IUD actually works much earlier in the reproductive process than once thought. It does not destroy an implanted embryo. And as we mentioned previously, about 1 in 100 women can get pregnant with the IUD in place. And if it was an effective abortive patient, then the clinical loss rate would be much higher than what is seen in clinical practice. One of my good friends is a writer for WebMD, and I love how he succinctly answers the question, do IUDs cause abortions? As he writes, quote, No. Some people mistakenly believe that the IUD is an abortifacient, a method that terminates a pregnancy. Instead, an IUD is a contraceptive, meaning that it prevents contraception in the first place. You could use a copper IUD as an emergency contraceptive right after you've had sex, but it's still not an abortifacient because it works by preventing the sperm from fertilizing the egg, end quote. The most important point that emerges from all the data so far is that there's no scientific evidence that any FDA-approved contraceptive agents are capable of destroying an embryo. To say that any of these agents are abortifacients is not only misleading, it does a profound disservice to women who find themselves in a situation where they might have to use one of these options as emergency contraceptives. Well, podcast family, now that we've done our evidence-based review, I do want to close out this episode with this important statement. If giving a patient an IUD, whether it's copper tea or progestin releasing, somehow is going to cause her philosophical, ethical, or moral dilemmas and conflict, then by all means, choose another method of emergency contraception even though we know what the evidence and the scientific data have to say. Because above all, even though we can be contraceptive advocates, before we're contraceptive advocates, we are patient advocates much more. All right, podcast family, that brings us to a wrap. We have covered IUD's mechanism of action, specifically as it relates to emergency contraceptives. Yes, it's still a contraceptive agent, not an abortifacient. There's no data, there's no evidence that it destroys an embryo or its main mechanism of action deals with implantation. Its main mechanism of action still exists in the tubes as a fertilization blocking effect. All right, podcast family, that's all I got for you. As always, we're thankful for you, and we'll see you on another episode of Clinical Pearls.